back to top five. Thank you for joining us again. Today we are talking about heist films. I have my friend Jacob here with us to uh, discuss this. <laughs> hey, nice to be here. Yeah, so heist films. This is actually a topic that Jacob brought up. Um, so uh, the actual topic is heist films that don't include a casino or a bank. So it made it a little bit more narrow because there's quite a few heist films out there. You know, I feel like the one that everybody thinks of when they think about heist films is probably like Ocean's Eleven. Ocean's Eleven, yeah. You know, I, I, I haven't seen Ocean's Eleven in a long time, but I think that there's something about like George Clooney um, that really stands out. Like, are we allowed to talk about Ocean's Eleven? Because I don't know, I want to tell you, Ocean's Eleven's not on my list because it's in a casino. It's not Oh, a yeah, casino. it's not on my list because it's, it's in a casino, but why it we, is a great heist film. Why do we think about Ocean's Eleven when we think about heist films? Because it's like the gold standard of heist films. Okay, so the original Ocean's Eleven was kind of like a parody almost, I feel like. It was, it was a joke. Mm -hmm. And this one was like actually really well done. And it, it's not just George Clooney. I mean, the cast is like an amazing A-plus cast. Like it right. has everybody who's anybody in that movie. Um, and it also spawned two really, really good spinoffs. Which, well, I guess three really good spinoffs. Well, okay, wait. Three adequately good spin-offs. <laughs> no, they, they were all popular, but I feel like they kind of got more cheesy as they went along. And there's oh, a part absolutely. of me that looks at the follow-ups to the Ocean series, and I'm like, I don't know if this really speaks to me. Yeah. I feel like a lot of those were, like, so uh, popular that they, like, drew a lot of people into the theaters, mm -hmm. but they didn't, like, have a really lasting impact on me. Like, when I think about Ocean's Eleven, George Clooney stands out to me, not a lot else. Uh, really? Maybe, maybe sort of the mystery or, like, the careful coordination like, I think that there were parts of Ocean's Eleven that reminded me of the Mission Impossible series. Okay. You know, you've got to, like, carefully coordinate, like, who's where and who's passing off the money to who and who's wearing what disguises. And that's kind of fun. But um, there's a way that it, like, seems like a big movie, but it doesn't seem like it has a whole lot of emotional impact on me. Like, is there any part of Ocean's Eleven that really, like, feels like it taught you something about the world? I wouldn't say it taught me anything about the world except for, like, how to rob casinos. But, like... <laughs> yeah. No, there's, like, no, like, moral standing or anything like that within the movie. I think it's just one of those feel-good movies that people like. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, I find it to be enjoyable. Like, I find it to be one of those films where, like, I get giddy every single time I watch them pull the heist off. Because yeah. I'm like, I know what's going to happen. Obviously, I've seen the film, like, 20 times. But I'm like, wow, this is just really well done. <laughs> yeah. You know, a, a question that I wanted to ask you about... Um, how you feel about heist movies is like who is the victim of a heist uh, in a, in a, in general or maybe in the movies in in general or maybe in the movies that you've picked and I want to like come back to that question later oh, yeah. but like especially with Ocean's Eleven like who's the victim of Ocean's Eleven? Okay, in Ocean's Eleven, uh, a part of me wants to say that the the owner of the casino is the victim. Um, except for that he owns a casino. This money is insured. So I'm like, are you really the victim? No, you're not. Like, you're just some douche who got robbed and who right. get his money back. So it doesn't matter. Right. Um, do I think that all heist films are like that? Absolutely not. I think there are some heist films. And we, again, we can kind of, um, talk about that again as we go further on because it will apply to one of my, um, one of those, the, the films I put on my list. But yeah, I, I, I think that a lot of times when you add in the casinos and when you add in the banks, I don't feel that bad for them getting robbed because I'm like, you're insured, you're going to get this back, it doesn't matter that much. And that's something I liked about the category you picked then, because we couldn't use casinos and we couldn't use banks, yeah. which meant that like the, the victim or like the framing had to be a little bit different here, but it was yeah. still like a heist. It was. I think, um, oh shoot, what was I going to say? Well, I completely forgot. <laughs> we'll circle back around. Yeah. It had to do with banks and, and casinos and whatnot. It's funny because they feel dirty in different ways, right? Like a, a casino is, um, is you know, it's connected to the mob a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Even like the Vegas casinos are connected to mob infrastructure and the mafia. Um, and, and so that seems like sort of like connected to criminality. 
But if you look at banks, like banks are just about like the financial system. But even those feel kind of dirty. But banks are dirty. Like yeah. they, like they they do dirty things. And they they do it in a way. Hashtag that, the like, big short. No. <laughs> right for sure. And I, I think that like it's easy to view a bank as a villain too. It's just that yeah. one one's like a villain that like rides all of us, and one of it's kind of like a seedy type of villain that mm-hmm. like you know just does its own thing and like a place of pleasure like Las Vegas. Oh, that's what I was gonna say. Villains. So I think in heist movies, because the heist movies are revolving around the people doing the heist, it almost seems like even though these people are villains and they're bad people and they're breaking the law, these movies like make them out to be they, they are not the villain of the film. Mm-hmm. Like in any in like very rarely in heist films are the people pulling out the heist the mm-hmm. villain. And it's like so interesting to see that like as a society we're like totally okay because we kind of like we like heist movies. Like, yeah. heist films are pretty off. Like, I would say at least one comes out a year. A new he- Whether it's good or not is, is debatable. But, like, quite a few heist movies come out. Right. And, like, so we basically have just said, oh, yeah, it's totally fine. And we're going to, like, romanticize, like, stealing things from people. So, so. I mean, you, you should stop me if I accidentally talk about a movie you secretly picked. I'm not talking about any of my picks yet. But, like, two things that this reminds me of is an old story and a new story. A really old story is, like, Robin Hood. In a certain Mm. way, like, Robin Hood is, like, a heist, right? He takes from the rich and he gives to the poor. And so there's something, like, really progressive about that. And I don't think every heist is as progressive as Robin Hood. And then the other one is, like, um, part of the Fast and Furious series Mm. where they're, like, trying to steal cars in order. I didn't pick any Fast and Furious, but they're trying to steal cars Mm. in order to get away from it. Um, another really popular one that I don't think involves a bank that's not on my list either is the Italian job. Mm. Um, and I love this, the Italian job. And this is also kind of about like stealing from people that are not banks, but you're right. The, 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 the stealers, the thieves are never, uh, the, the, the villain, even if they have some like problems. Yeah. They're always, they, there's a sense of humanity to them. Like if we want to talk about the, the, uh, Italian job. Like, the main guy in the Italian job, like, lost his parents, and, mm. you know, like, you kind of feel sad for him, and he's gone through a rough time, yada, yada, yada. Like, so they have, like, they give him, like, this backstory that makes you feel for them, even though they're definitely doing something bad, but I like the Italian job. It's not on my list either, but I was contemplating putting it on the list, but then I was like, is it a good movie? Uh, oh, man. I don't know. You know, I'm not even movie. sure if any of my five are any good. Uh, in fact, there's one of them that we're going to get to later of mine that is uh, famously bad, uh. but I still really love it. So. <laughs> mine, I have two good, I would say that I have two good films, and then I have five good heist films. Oh, cool. That's what I'd say. Like, awesome. two solid, just good films, and five heist, good films. Films. Do you think that you and I are going to have overlap on our on our five? Because there's so many movies I out there. I think there are. Okay, so there's a lot of heist movies, but there's not as many heist films that don't uh, revolve around a casino or a bank. Like there's still quite a few. Um, I'm gonna say because I know your taste in films, I'm gonna say that we might have one in common. Ooh, I, mean, I okay. think that's it. But even then, I, I'm on the fence because I think you like a little bit more indie films, and I. I like indie films, but not nearly as indie as you. Like, you like yeah. independent, independent, like, I made this in my garage. I like independent, <laughs> like, I I released it at this at South by Southwest. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> so. You know, there's also some other, like, indie crime films that I'm thinking of. Um, like, an old one is called Brick. Uh, and Brick, like, comes into this, like, category of, like, you know, film noir, even though it's mm. from the early 2000s. It's not a heist film. And it's interesting to think about the difference between, like, what is, like, a crime film where the hero is a criminal or just like somebody who's like trying to deal with like investigation or like some other type of crime and what happens with like the films we'll be talking about today. Yeah, I actually, when I was 
when I was like looking through, you know, films and like thinking about the topic, the 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 versus like the crime film versus a heist film did come up to come up in my mind. Yeah. Because not all the time were films necessarily like they're the the entity of the film was about like pulling the heist, but there were heists involved because it is around crime. Mm -hmm. And so in my mind I was like, oh does this count? Does this not count? So I did have a little bit of trouble with that because there is quite a few similarities within that. So And something that's cool is like I feel like all of my five are all definitely heist movies. But I think that's cool is that it's not always about the heist. There's also what's happening in the lives of the characters. Mm. And so, like, the heist is, like, the central structure in the ones that I picked. But you kind of go off on these side paths and you learn about the backgrounds of the characters or, like, what their motivations are. And I think that, like, although they're all trying to steal, um, they all have a lot of, like, different motivations and a lot of different ways that they do the same thing, which is pulling a heist. Yeah. I would say mine are um, 98% heist films. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and some of them have good backstories, but the backstories take a back seat. But there are heist films where there was actually one that I was contemplating putting on my list. Can you say that um, it was? Yeah, it was one of my honorable mentions. Um, it's called Welcome to Collinwood. Ooh, I don't know this one. Um, it has a very interesting cast. Actually, George Clooney's in it. He <laughs> uh, has a very, very small part, but um, it's like kind of like a backwoods comedy um, heist film. The heist never actually happens because yeah. it's like really really janky backwoods people who are like in a crime-filled town where everybody does weird things mm-hmm. and they're trying to get their bellini which is like the big the big heist that means that they never have to steal again and stuff it's um i would say it's like a heist comedy like it's very um comedic it has sam rockwell who i am oh, obsessed yeah. with sam rockwell he's really great um i think he's been uh in podcasts as far i think i've had like three movies with him. <laughs> i love him <laughs> I think he's an amazing actor. So it has, uh, it has Sam Rockwell, it has George uh, Clooney, and it has another guy whose name I can't remember at the time, but he was in a couple of other films that I had watched. Um, but yeah, so I that one was a good one, but again, it was like I felt like the heist, because it didn't even happen, and it wasn't really even thought out very nicely, it was kind of the story of like their life in this crappy town and like how everybody's like kind of this weird, like cheap, people that are like really low class Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. versus the idea of like oh let's pull a heist off and like have a movie around the heist and then us having like a cool backstory do you like the idea of uh, a movie that has a professional um uh, professional robber professional uh heist person in it or do you like the idea of like an amateur um i like a little bit of both okay i like a little bit of both i um i've from both watching movies in general and from watching movies specifically for this, just like to rewatch, mm-hmm. it's very clear that movies that are based around people that aren't professional like thieves mm-hmm. are more comedic in sense <laughs> because it. I mean, it has to be like because being a professional thief, like if, if that was like a real thing, is something that you'd have to like actually think about and like be intelligent in, unless you don't want to get arrested, and so like things are gonna get messed up if you're, that's not what your job is. Uh, another one of my honorable mentions is Maiden Heist, mm. um, and that has a great cast. It has um, it has Christopher Walken. It has the same weird guy whose name I can't remember, who was also in <laughs> Welcome to Collinwood. Okay, okay. It's like a short, bald dude with a weird mustache. I can't remember his name. <laughs> um, and then it has uh, Morgan Freeman. Oh, great. Um, so great cast, really old, and it's like it. It's kind of a, like that cheeky movie where it's these old people who are trying to steal things, but like they're very bad, and like you can see at the beginning of the movie, you're like, oh, this is gonna go horribly wrong because they're right. like not actually thieves; they just want to steal this one thing. 
Um, so I, yeah, I've just found that it's, it's more comedy uh, when you have are dealing with amateurs and then less comedy when it's like actual thieves. Although, I don't know, the Ocean's movies, wouldn't you say those were comedic? You know, I'd say that they had a lot of, like, body comedy. Am I saying this wrong? Did Was the director of Ocean's Eleven Steven Soderbergh? I believe it is. I think, else, right? I think it was... Is it Soderbergh or Soderbergh? Oh, you know, I, I've always said Soderbergh, but I've different parts Soderberg. of the country, I don't, I don't actually know. <laughs> anyway, but Steven. Our um, good friend Steve. Yeah, Steve. So, Steve. so Steve is kind of famous for, like, trying to make people look kind of, like, elegant in the way that they move. Yeah. Like, he's always, like, you know, people always look so slick. And he's made action movies. He's made, um, like, um, like, romantic comedies romantic dramas but everybody kind of like moves in a way it's like very cool and compact kind of like karate or something mm-hmm. like this so and I, I think so i think that the characters in that movie were kind of amateurs but i think that they were sort of endowed with like really strong uh precise movements which was like yeah. kind of cool because you can kind of relate better to somebody who's not a professional even if they do it better than i know i could do it <laughs> this is true I don't know if they could do it better than I could do it. Um, another example of a, of a movie with non-professionals that I didn't pick was uh, called Bottle Rocket by Wes Anderson mm. from the 90s. And so it's these like three friends who conspire to uh, just, they, they're, they're bored. And so they want to steal something in order to like have some money and have something to do. And so none of them are very good. One of them gets invited to the gang just because he has a car. And he has yes. no other skills, yes. right? And it's kind of weird because I'm like watching this and I'm like, well, it, you know, Wes Anderson movies can be a little bit um, hyper contrived. Uh, in fact, I don't think that I would want to watch a Wes Anderson movie that doesn't feel contrived. But I, I really enjoyed like, like how um, we could expect them to mess up and the expectation that they were going to mess up is like something that like kind of dropped, brought some dramatic tension to the movie because you're like, oh, well, when they fail, how bad is it going to be? Yeah, yeah. That's very Wes Anderson, I feel like. Yeah. That's like classic Wes Anderson. Uh, all right, well, let's go ahead and say our uh, our top five. Um, I'm going to let you go first, but in classic um, high-fidelity standards, you have to say it with the, the basically like this, the, the same wording that uh, John Cusick says in the movie. Have you have you seen, you've seen high-fidelity? Uh, no, I have not. Oh, or if I have, it's been such a long I time, I don't remember it. That's what we're watching after this. Okay, so he always says when he makes his top five list, he's like, um, oh, let's see if I can remember. My desert island, all time, top five, most memorable. And then he usually, he's talking about women or, or, or music, but in this case we'll do movies. So it would be my desert island, all time, top five, most memorable heist films include. And then go from five to one. Okay. Tell us what you got. Okay, so my top five, <laughs> all time, desert island, Heist films that are not involving a bank or a casino are Band of Outsiders by Godard, Widows by Steve McQueen from just a couple of years ago, Reservoir Dogs by Tarantino, Hudson Hawk by Michael Lehman, and Drive by uh, Nicholas Refn. Mm, okay. You said the, the beginning wrong, but that's okay. I like your list, so we'll, <laughs> we'll allow it. <laughs> um, I'm actually really excited to talk about your list. You got some good ones on there. Um, so my Desert Island all-time top five most memorable move heist films that don't involve a bank or a casino include um, The Thomas Crown Affair, wow. Entrapment, The Score, American Animals, and number one is Logan Lucky. Oh, awesome. So, um, yeah, I'm actually super excited about yours. Widows, I haven't seen it, and I really wanted to watch it, and I just didn't. Um, 
but it looks absolutely amazing. But go ahead and, and, and tell us a little bit more about the, the films that you've chosen. So the, the way that, you know, it's really hard for me to like really know what my top favorite movies would be because um, we, we were talking about this um, recently. Um, am I trying to think about what I think are the best movies ever or am I just thinking of the movies that I've seen that really stuck with me for different reasons? And I think that these stuck with me because I could relate to the characters or because I liked what the um, movies said about uh, what's possible within the genre or within movies or, or in one case just because it was really funny. So starting out with Band of Outsiders, you know, it's kind of one of these old, really accessible Godard movies. It's a, a trio and of course like this idea of a romantic triangle that gets involved in some type of violence is really important to Godard and they have to conduct a heist against a house uh, that one of them knows about. Um, it's also got this like really, uh, it's got a couple of like really famous scenes uh, that are famous I think because they're just so joyful. There's a dance scene, there's a scene where they go to the Louvre. Um, it's kind of fun. Widows was great. It just came out a couple of years ago. Yeah. It's by Steve. It's got a great cast. Oh, incredible. And uh, it's by Steve McQueen, who's very styl mm -hmm. stylized. Uh, Steve McQueen, of course, did uh, Shame and Hunger and 13 Years as a Slave and uh, I think perhaps some others. And so this director is somebody who I've been following. And when he made a, um, a heist movie, I was like, oh, this sounds really fun. Um, it is really twisted. You I was going to say, isn't it really dark? It's pretty dark, and you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I know that we're going to talk about some spoilers today, and I'm sorry, because <laughs> when, you, when you finally see that movie, the way that these spoilers come out is like really fun to watch. Okay. Um, but I, I, loved the, I loved the way it was shot. I loved the way that it was cast. Uh, I loved the story. I loved the twists. And um, I also really appreciated that um, the, the stars of Widows were, were the women. Yeah. Um, it's not like in a lot of films where the leader um, tends to be a man. I guess that in the other four films I picked, the um, the ringleaders were men, and I think that's true in a lot of heist movies. Yeah, you know, I never actually really thought about that, but um, there aren't a whole lot of heist films that are female-led. I will say there is that one film with um, Queen Latifah and Jada Pinkett Smith, um, and I cannot remember it by the by the... Uh, I'm trying to remember the, the title of it and I just can't, but it, 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 it had, um, I do know it revolved around the bank, which is why I couldn't put mm -hmm. it on my list. Cause I was actually searching. I was like, man, it'd be really nice to like feature some women or some people of color, uh, on the list, but it's few and, and far between, especially with the parameters that we have with no bank and no casino. Are we going to go back through these in more detail? Or go, go through go? more detail right now. Oh, more detail? Yeah. Well, well, if, if well as much detail that, as you want. If we're going to do that, then I might go back to Band of Outsiders. Go so. ahead and so tell us a little bit more about Band of Outsiders. So Band of Outsiders is funny because um, it's it's one of these movies that uh, is on a lot of like tough movies that anybody should ever see ever. Because it's definitely got a lot of... I've never even heard happen. of it, I don't think. Well, the, the French title, uh, I don't speak French, is A Band Apart. Uh, <laughs> you don't know if you're kidding or not. Is that really what it is? That is, yeah. Oh, okay. A band apart. So a band of outsiders, a band apart. Okay. Uh, I, don't, I just, I, again, I don't speak French, but it comes from this French phrase called faire uh, band apart, which uh. means like to do things apart from the group. Okay. Um, and one of the reasons that that becomes significant is that there's this group of three young people, uh, two guys and a girl, who like have interest in this, this woman. And, um, the two guys have interest in the one girl. That's right. Okay. That's right. Now, that's not exactly how it ends up going. Um, one of them ends up splitting off, and then the two that get together end up splitting off at the end and having sort of like a, an escape. But, um, you know, they, they, they're, they're not only like 
you're not all you're not only dealing with this question of like who is or isn't part of this love triangle you're also like uh, thinking about how this group of three people is themselves of, I think in some ways apart from society they're kind of like zany kind of hmm. kooky. okay so what happens is that they get together and they realize that one of them knows about some money um, stored in a house um, that one of them knows about and I do apologize. It's been a little while since I've seen this movie. So I did Wikipedia. Oh, you did Wikipedia it for sure. And um, is this the Wikipedia synopsis right now that you're telling us? Oh, I really hope not. I think that (laughs) if any of our listeners pull that up, uh, they'll they'll compare the things that I'll say, and they'll be like, "Um, "Jake doesn't remember that movie as well as he thinks he does." But this is the part that stands out to me. Um, And then he. um, So what happens is they go to this house to try to get the money. But um, they can't find it. The, they, 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 somebody's found out about their plan. The doors have been locked in the house, and so they have to come back another night. Um, but in this process of getting ready for it, they also have some like interludes where they go out and like just exist as young people having fun. Um, there's this scene where they race through the Louvre in Paris. You know, it's just massive museum, and um, I've never actually been there. But as far as I understand it, it's extremely crowded in modern times. Oh, 100%. I've been there. Yeah? Yeah. And can I take? Can I tell you, like, a kind of a funny story, but oh, also yeah. slightly relatable? For sure. Okay, so when you think of the Louvre, what is, like, a normal picture that people take when they go to the Louvre? Uh, standing in front of the pyramid. Yeah, okay. So, no joke, I legitimately thought that the pyramids were the Louvre. Oh. Like, I thought that was the museum. So, like, when I first went to visit the Louvre... And I got up close to the pyramids. I was like, hell, these things are small. I thought this was supposed to be like the biggest museum in the world. And my friend that was with me, she's like, no, it's the giant building right around it. I was like, oh, that makes a lot more sense. But I've always thought it was those weird little like pyramid things. Because that's always the people always like do the Instagram photo. They're like, I'm at the Louvre. And they're right by the pyramids. So I just always thought that they're. You know that by that definition, I've been to the Louvre. Um, I was there for I was there for a few hours on a layover, and I walked by the pyramids. Okay, so uh, you were there. So I was there. I, know, I, didn't, I didn't go inside. I didn't get to do all this fun stuff. Um, have you seen this TV series, uh, Supermarket Sweep? No. Oh, you know. Oh wait, wait, you know. Yeah, is it the one where they have like they have the cart chases around the supermarket and they only have like a certain amount of money to spend or something like that? And they've got to do a limited amount of time and yeah. everything that they can get, they can, they can get through the checkout, they get it. But if they don't make it through the checkout at the end, then they don't get anything. Yeah, okay, okay right? yeah, I do know that. Yeah. So um, think about the type of like hectic, like racing through a grocery store. And then think about doing that in the Louvre. That's, was that what they were doing? Well, no. Oh. I, I don't think that uh, Supermarket Sweep is a reference to a different part. Oh. <laughs> even though if it was, I would probably like, really we enjoy that show even We should make a movie like more. that. Like, they get in the Louvre and then they just Supermarket Sweep the Louvre and, and try like, to figure stuff out off. all of the right, right. paintings. <laughs> Um, but what they do is they just kind of run through it, and it, it's cool because you, you, you see these like really young people uh, like just experiencing the Louvre in a way that's really irreverent, but mm. still like very personal and very emotional. And I, I think it raises this interesting question to me about what it means to be like a young person in Europe. Like, what does it mean to uh, be surrounded by culture, but also for it to be like so old and so so ancient to you? Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think that Godard is very concerned with like the questions of modernity and 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 love and like kinship. And uh, I think that especially in like the periods of industrialization and like um, like just economic change that was happening in the fifties through the nineties. I mean, Godard had a really long career. Um, he, he, he was, he was seeing like people who were in this, this, this continent that had great 
uh, cultural wealth, but it didn't completely like connect to the young people. And so what was like really fascinating about their spark was that they were surrounded by such riches, but in some ways that wasn't even what they were experiencing. Mm. They were just like there to enjoy uh, being with each other and having it kind of in the background. And when I look at like what people do today, like they go take the Instagram photo in front of the pyramid at the Louvre, or they just take an Instagram photo in front of front of like Mount Rainier or Mount St. Helens yeah. or you know the Space Needle. Like it, it's like how much is a person who's new to being an adult or just very young? How does this person like really connect to like a cultural history that's really great? Is it really just like the background for them to have a great time? And I think that was kind of liberating. Mm. So was this part of the movie like an integral part of the movie or is this just like one scene that really stuck with you? It really stuck with me and again this is my least favorite of my top favorite five uh, because in some ways it's a little bit dry, it's a little bit old, but it's also like really approachable and I recommend that, like I I would watch it again with you, it would be really cool. It kind of sounds like a non-funny version of um, A Fish Called Wanda with Mm -hmm. like two less dudes. (laughs) Two less dudes? Awesome. Because I think in Fish Called Wanda I think it's Jamie Lee Curtis and four four dudes, three mm-hmm. or four dudes. So yes, minus two two dudes and all the comedy, and you got this movie. Um, another famous scene from *A Band Apart* is um, is well, actually, I'll, I'll ask it this way. Do you remember the dance scene from *Pulp Fiction*? Oh yeah, where Uma Thurman yeah, yeah, yeah. and John Travolta are doing their thing. Um, they they one of the movies by which uh, Tarantino was in. Tarantino was inspired uh, to do a scene like that based on a scene in A Band Apart. Oh, okay. Uh, the three of them get together and they do a dance in a nightclub called The Madison. It's actually, I think, a made-up dance. Wait, the dance. dance is called The Madison the or dance, The Club? The dance is called The Madison. Oh, okay. And I don't know. I tried to look it up. I think that The Madison might have been a made-up dance or maybe it was popular and I couldn't find it because it's not on YouTube. But uh, there's three of them do like a dance together and it's like kind of like a fun um, like music video moment in a, in a film where mm-hmm. you know that they're building up to... Um, some type of tragedy that happens during the heist. Mm. Thanks so, for not spoiling it too much for us. Well, uh, spoilers are still coming. Oh, okay. No so, <laughs> so um, it does turn out that two of these, um, that the girl and one of the guys hit it off a lot better. And then the other guy who's kind of on the outside, his uncle ends up being a little bit of a problem because he's one of the ones who leaks their plan to uh, steal the money and ends up like trying to get them to give him the money instead. Mm. And so... As soon as the one guy's uncle says, like, I want in on this, I want the money, they decide to just do the heist impromptu. Oh, okay. Um, That's which, never a good idea. Which is never, you know, right? I feel like you really need to have the planning down. But yeah. they're, they're, they're amateurs, and yeah. that's what makes them kind of uh, endearing. Well, um, they go there, they, uh, they, they end up trying, they end up, like, uh, binding and gagging uh, the... the um, the lady of the house? How do you call her? The lady of the house? It the sounds like she's a harlot. Uh, you know. The, uh, the, the woman of the house? The woman of the house? Yeah, how do I say? Um, is, uh, it's the woman who owns the house or runs the house? Well, like her, her husband owns the house. Okay, so it's it's her house. Uh, it's their house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, the lady uh, but, of the house. But she ends up getting bound and gagged. Uh, they think that she dies at one point. Turns out that she didn't die. Uh, but uh, they can't find the money, so they all run away. But then they see one of the guys go back to like check again. Um, the guy's uncle goes back to check again, and then they find the money in the doghouse. Um, and then uh, they they two of them escape with the money, and I think they escape to um, South America. Oh, okay. And that's how the movie ends. Um, oh, so no one dies. You know, I think that the one guy died, but I hate to tell you, I don't remember. Oh, okay. I don't remember <laughs> if he uh, if he lives or dies. But I remember that two of them get away. And the, the parts that really stick with me are the relationship between these people. Interesting. The next movie I was thinking of is Windows. 
uh, Windows, Windows XP. <laughs> Windows XP. Windows XP by Steve McQueen. Widows by Steve McQueen. And what happens is that a the wife of a cat burglar or a heistman... Um, what is a cat burglar in comparison to a heistman? <laughs> You know, I think that a heist, that a person who runs a heist uh, carries a gun and is used to like forcing their way in and maybe using explosives. Oh. And a cat burglar kind of like, you know the whole thing where they like cut the circle in the glass? Yeah. And then they like sneak in and they're wearing like tight um, clothing. <laughs> okay, so like you're telling suit. me this is all Oceans movie. <laughs> they mm-hmm. never use a gun in Oceans. Oh, really? No, and at one point in time in Ocean's Eleven, they do that circular thing. So, are you saying that the Ocean's franchise is completely off of cat burglars? You know, I think that a cat burglar is a type of heistman, heist person, heist, heist, you know, heist, yeah. more inclusive. <laughs> but uh, I, I think that um, you don't have to be a cat burglar to be a heist person. Oh, okay, okay. All right, so she's she's married to a heist heistman who gets blown up in oh. a bad heist. How quickly does this happen? Right at the beginning. Okay, that's what I thought. And oh. so she's a widow. <laughs> hence the widows right uh, interesting how they decided to name that movie I was actually wondering until now uh, so he dies but what happens is she finds in his belongings a plan in a notebook in order to steal a few million dollars from a local politician okay she realizes that she can sell this notebook to his old gang in order to just have them pay her some money but she's like you know what I need the two million I'm gonna do it myself so she gets together with three of her friends three other widows who decide to gang up in order to break in and steal the money and as they're going along, you know, it re- it seems like, oh, there's just, you know, she's just becoming a criminal now. She's, like, doing this thing that he shielded her from. Mm. But as it turns out, over time, you realize that the people that she has to exploit are, in fact, the villains. So the politician is corrupt and is taking a lot of money in order to, um, in order to maintain power and win a re-election campaign. And um, she eventually finds out that her husband is not dead. What? Okay, you definitely should have said spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Because you just said he was dead. <laughs> He's not dead. He has faked his own death in order to steal the money later in order to start a new life with another woman <gasps> who wait. is carrying his child, who has carried his child. I'm sorry, wait, wait, wait. Okay, so the, the guy is Liam Neeson, isn't it? Liam Neeson. So you're going to tell me that Liam Neeson is a D-bag who has a sec- a secret second wife? A secret, a second, uh, second lady. Yeah, second oh lady of the house. Oh my gosh. And a second lady of the house. <laughs> wow, that's like, I don't know if I've ever heard of Liam Neeson being like kind of a bad guy. And a sec- you know, the cat, the cat burglar. Uh, bad cat burglar guy. So he uh, he has another child, so he's trying to steal the money after faking his own death in order to get away from his wife in order to start a new life with the money with a new kid. Wow. So he's faking his death to get away. So what she does is she has to do all types of crazy stuff. She has to become the villain in order to like you know maintain her own life. So she does a lot of things. She blackmails a security company in order to get security code into this house. She uh, keeps these uh, women uh, allied with her in order for them all to collaborate to uh, conduct the heist. Uh, And then eventually she uh, kills her husband. I was about to say, I was like, it sounds like this is the type of woman who, I haven't seen this movie, but it kind of seems like one of those movies where like the woman might be a little bit more docile and calm and like quiet in the beginning. And in the end, she turns into like this crazy badass. But do you know who's really easy to kill? Men. Oh, wait, no. Liam Neeson. Well, yeah, someone who's already dead. Yes. He's already dead in the eyes of the law. So, like, when he dies, he just disappears, you know? So you don't even have to cover up his death. You just have to get rid of the body, and then, you know, they've done it. So um, it it was really kind of fun. And uh, the twists are really good. It's very beautifully shot. 
And um, I, I think that it's one of the cooler ice movies I've seen in the past 10 years. Okay. That's good to know. I will now watch it even though I know what happens at the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff that I've left out that you'll really enjoy. Okay. Because that was one of the ones that I, I really um, meant to watch and I just haven't gotten around to it. So it, it did look really good. Yeah. Interesting. Um, should I introduce my next pick? Yeah, yeah. What's what's the next one? Number okay. three, right? Number three. So number three is like really hard to summarize, but in some ways that makes it easier. Uh, it's Tarantino's ultra violent Reservoir Dogs. Okay, I gotta stop you. Now I remember it when you first said this because um, if you just Google heist films, like mm -hmm. Reservoir Dog comes up as mm -hmm. like being an ultra great heist film, mm -hmm. and um, in my personal opinion, it is not a heist. Film. It's not a heist film. It, like, it is. Obviously, they're trying to pull off a heist, but the movie isn't about the heist. You're right. It just happens to be there, which is, what, like, something that we were talking about, like, how the heist takes a backseat to the movie. Yeah. But, like, I think this takes too much of a backseat. Like, this is, like, real, like, blip dot thing. Like, everything else around, like, the aftermath of and the pre-math of <laughs> the pre-math. It's not worth it. The aftermath, the pre-math. I'm, 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 I'm here for this. All, All the maths. Math. Uh, it, it, I think those are what makes the story, and um, I don't think that the heist actually has anything to do. You don't even see the heist. You're right. You're you right. You don't even see it. So like that's like that's like so tiny. It's like a very very tiny blip. So I am going to fight you on that. The fact okay. that it's actually a heist movie. You know it, it might not be because you do not get to see them pulling anything off. All you get to see is the focus on like these. There's eight people, right? So there's these two ringleaders. Uh, and then there's like six other people who use pseudonyms. So the, the ringleaders are like Cabots, and then there's things like blonde, orange, white, Why do pink. I have to be Mr. Pink? <laughs> right, yeah, right? <laughs> and uh, it's, it's kind of funny uh, because you, you end up focusing on why people are in this heist together and like how do they, how do they like treat each other. Yeah. I mean, even the beginning of the movie is just like set inside a diner, diner. which is, you know, if, if I ever were to meet Tarantino and he's not in the diner, I'd be a little bit disappointed. Yeah. Do you think he has a diner fetish? Because now that I think about it, he showcases like either diners and or saloons uh, quite often in his movies. Yes. <laughs> you know, I think there's something comforting about a diner because anybody can be there and they're very American. And yeah. I think that he thinks a lot about like what America means as a place that's like connected to the road and mm. I don't know. Um, but you're, you're right. There, you don't see, even see the heist in this movie. And that's when I was thinking about, does this abide by the rules? I wasn't even sure. Like, what happens is that these eight conspirators have to steal diamonds, but where do they steal them from? Yeah, you, you don't know? know if it's a bank or if it's a... Well, it's definitely not a casino. If I had to guess, though, it would be a jewelry store. Could be a jewelry store? I think yeah. it would be a jewelry store, but I wouldn't I wouldn't nix it because of the bank or casino. I would just nix it because you don't see the heist. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I think that I think that's why. I think it's a... I think it's Reservoir Dogs is fantastic. It's probably my third favorite Tarantino movie. Oh, cool. Um, but I, I don't think it's about heists. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm willing to concede that, but what I, what I, what I do like about it that's at least related to heists is the ways that it is talking about how people betray each other. Oh, yes. Because there's a lot of betrayal that happens here. I mean, two of the people in the movie are cops. Right? Yeah. And one of them is undercover, one of them is like over, overcover? Overcover. Pre-math? Pre Pre-math and overcover. <laughs> Pre-math and overcover. Uh, one of them, you know, gets involved and he gets kidnapped by them. The, the cops are constantly coming in. They're, they're a little bit less, and it's also kind of unsuccessful. Uh, I think it's, 
at the end of the movie, is it Pink who ends up running away? Steve with... Buscemi, yeah. He ends up running away with the diamonds. Yeah. But he probably gets killed. But you killed. also, yeah, because you don't, they don't officially show you what happens, but you do hear gunshots. You hear guns, right. And so you kind of make, you have to make the assumption that he dies or something, but you don't actually know whether or not he got away. Yeah, you don't, you don't know. Yeah. Um, and then the others, the others all die. They, yeah. they shoot each other. They die. They die in the conflict. Um, and it, in, in some ways it's kind of like, it fits the genre, but it doesn't do anything that it, that it should do in the genre. Yeah. Right? You don't see the heist. Uh, you don't see like the cool tricks. Uh, you don't see if anybody gets away and you really don't know why they really did it. Um, there's a movie I'll talk about in a bit where you like the, one of the whole points of why this guy is performing, why he's motivated is to, um, like satisfy an emotional connection with mm-hmm. another family but like what's the emotional connection of these guys they're just all like fighting in a they're diner all, well they're they're uh they're heistmen you know so that's like their that's like their job you know some people go and go to work at amazon and some right. people go and then steal jewels <laughs> right but i don't i do think that um this movie actually having it on the list brings up a good point which uh to turn it back around to oceans again, honor amongst thieves. So I think that's something that they address because like the big thing on, uh, in the oceans movie, which you see, uh, more specifically in oceans 13 Hmm. is the, the honor amongst thieves. actually in oceans 12 and 13 really is, um, is like what is okay amongst thieves to do and what's not okay to do. And so like this movie basically is a, uh, a more in-depth look at that of like, okay, well, we're all thieves. We're all doing bad things. So it's okay for me to just screw you over and shoot you in the back at this point in time, you know? So it's kind of like, oh, okay. Like it, it, it kind of brings in that, that idea and it kind of uh, flushes it out a little bit more. You know, I think one of the nice things about Widows was that um, the men were all willing to stab each other in the back. But the honor amongst the thieves, the widows themselves, was really high. Like okay. they had, they had a lot of like they they only they either supported each other or they stabbed each other in the back when they betrayed each other already as mm. revenge. You know, it wasn't like it was something else had already happened, and so then I'm gonna. This is my. There's a much stronger too. sense of justice. Yeah, yeah, that's because women are better than men. We already know that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think that comparing these two movies to each other is kind of fun because the first one's about like lovers, the second one's about widows, and this third one's about like dogs. You know, dogs. <laughs> so reservoir dogs. Exactly. Dogs from the reservoir. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe I'll have to throw this out. It was also extremely violent, uh, in a way that's like kind of like, uh, um, it's a spectacle. And mm. it, does, it doesn't have well, a lot of moral value. Exactly. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't want to spend forever talking about Tarantino, but it, it's on my list, and um, it might not be perfect, but it's right there in the middle. It is. I mean, I think uh, I personally am not going to accept that as a heist film. However, I do think plenty of people would justify it being a heist film. If I had um, to go back uh, and get rid of it altogether, I'm just going to say in five seconds, my uh, substitute then would have to be the bling ring. Oh, you should have put the bling ring on there. I thought about putting the bling ring in. I... But remember how I was saying that one of the things I loved the most, and that actually that's not true. One of the things that I loved the least in a movie that I loved so much, Widows, was that the, that the leaders were these like strong heist women. Um, the bling, the bling, bling ring, they have women. Oh, yeah, exactly. They're not strong, but they're women. <laughs> Yeah, and, but they're definitely really human. You can see their struggles. So, you know, it's also different there because it's petty but big all the yeah. same time. It, I mean, like, I think, I, I liked the bling ring, I liked the bling ring, but I also disliked the bling ring. Um, I thought that Emma 
Watson, while I like her as a as an actress, this was not a great film for her personally. She was really strong. Like maybe too strong. Maybe I think it was almost too strong almost. Um, but the reason I liked it though is because it showed like it basically took this society, which we are still currently in, where we romanticize and we obsess over celebrities and um and it basically takes the negative of what happens with that. And yeah. um, so I don't know. I thought I thought it was a great film. You should put it on there, but that's fine. Okay, so that's my backup number five. Because I because I just lost I just lost one. I hope my other two hold out. Um, <laughs> I think they do. Okay, so this next one is one of the weirdest, and it's probably the least critically acclaimed on my pick picks, but it's my number two. It's Hudson Hawk. I've never heard of this one. So okay, hold on to your seat okay. because here's here's the general idea. Imagine Bruce Willis playing. Is he actually in this movie? Who is the star of the movie? Oh, okay. Playing a it, this movie is a comedy, by the way. Oh, it's a comedy high school. A comedy where Bruce Willis is a cat burglar that has to steal artifacts that he's being blackmailed to steal by the CIA, his parole officer, the Vatican, what? and a corporation in order for a corporation to use these artifacts to build a Da Vinci machine that will turn lead into gold. This is so extra. All, all while... <laughs> Bruce Willis tries to just get a cappuccino. <laughs> this is the most extra movie I've ever heard. It's this a, sounds like someone maybe wrote this movie while they were doing some drugs. You know, if they were, they were probably hallucinogenic. It's uh, very funny. And what's weird is that, like, the editing's just really zany. Like, imagine, like, you know, an, an ambulance getting into a crash, and then Bruce Willis and his friend, like, fly out, like, in a hospital gurney. And then, like, the hospital gurney goes on for, like, another minute or two. <laughs> On a chase where they're chasing somebody else while riding a hospital well, journey. Oh my right? gosh! Uh, so it's it's wow. like really kind of like a madcap kind of movie. That's funny. Uh, but what I liked about it is um, how like improbable it was. Like you know how serious the movie uh, The Da Vinci Code takes itself, oh, where yeah. like trying to find these Da Vinci artifacts. This thing like does the same story, but it doesn't take itself seriously. It's just like a wild like funny uh, trip. Um, everybody hated it. It didn't make much money. Uh, it, when was it released? 1990s. I think about 1992, 93. Okay. Uh, it was something that I saw because somebody on an elevator at work told me that I should watch it, and so I did. <laughs> um, I'm really glad that I took that. Uh, but it's, it's, it's funny because why does he do it? He does it because he is a criminal who owes a debt, and he gets blackmailed into stealing these artifacts from others. Like, he, he just got out of jail. He's done with it. He yeah. doesn't want to do it anymore. But he keeps getting blackmailed by all of these superpowers. But what I kind of like about it is that he's good at his job, but he's just an honest guy. He's an honest cat burglar. And an he, honest cat burglar. You know, and he's also learned his lesson. He wants to put it down. Okay. But um, he ends up doing it for a corporation, which is run by these like really weird, kooky uh, people who are really corrupt. And what's funny is that they finally like get the parts they need for the machine. But uh, for whatever reason, they're inept. The machine blows up, and they all die. So... Um, <laughs> You know, there's not, it's, it's, it's funny because at the end, you know, he ends up uh, kind of redeeming himself by being honest the entire time. And then at the end, final scene, he gets to drink a cappuccino. There we go. That's all you want in life. Just to get out of jail and drink a cappuccino. Is it a Starbucks cappuccino? <laughs> oh, I, you know, I hope that he got the best he could get. <laughs> so Hudson Hawk. That's, Hudson Hawk. That's, uh, that's on the list. And Interesting. I kind of want to watch it now. I like, I like, um... I like funny heist movies. Um, not all the time, 
I like serious heist films too, but I think I like funny heist films slightly more. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this one is all funny. Okay. Would you say it's uh, 90% comedy, 10% heist? I would say it's 100% heist and 120% comedy. Oh, okay. It's, it's, it's completely extra. Okay. I like that. I like extra. Okay. All right. And then my last one, my number one. Uh, I feel kind of conflicted picking it because I feel like uh, it's kind of stereotypical. But whatever, I'm going for it. Did you see Drive? I I have, and I have many thoughts and feelings on Drive, and they all revolve around hatred. <laughs> right, right. And I think there's a lot of good reasons to hate this movie. Uh, but I'm going to talk about the reasons that I like the movie. So, uh, of course, my top two reasons for this movie are probably Ryan Gosling, and Nicholas Winding Refn. I might be pronouncing his name wrong. Winding, I don't know. It's a, uh, who knows? It's a Danish name. How do you pronounce? Uh, Winding. <laughs> I don't know. That's more German, I guess. <laughs> you know, I'm, I, my, my French and my Danish are about the same. Uh, but it's, it's extremely stylistic. And it's extremely violent. And it also is very narrow-minded. Mm. Like, it's very focused on this one unnamed character, the driver, played by Ryan Gosling. Mm-hmm. And what's happened is that... He needs to, he works in a shop and a man who's just gotten out of prison needs to repay a debt because he was protected in prison. So he needs to pay his protection money. Ryan Gosling decides to help him out because he has a crush on this guy, Standard's wife named Irene. And Irene. Isn't that a, what's her face? Oh yeah. Uh, what's her not name? Not Carrie Mulligan. It is, um, it, it is Carrie is Mulligan. Is it Carrie Mulligan? It's Carrie okay. Mulligan. Oh, yeah, because it, it wouldn't be Maggie Gyllenhaal, because that'd be really weird. <laughs> so, Carrie Mulligan's uh, son, uh, Benicio, um, and them are, like, a thing. And he, like, really takes a liking to them. But the driver, Ryan Gosling's character, is really weird. He, like, is very flat, and he's very dead on the inside. And um, I've heard um, some people propose that, like, he has a sort of, like, emotional deficit, that if mm-hmm. we were to, like, pathologize it... Um, might be seen as like an inability to relate to people socially. He's probably a psychopath, a sociopath, that's the word, or uh, something like this. But he really likes them. And I think that he's such an outsider that he finds this idea that he could redeem them by protecting them. So he decides to be a getaway driver. But what happens? So they decide to rob a pawn shop, not a banker casino. Uh, during the pawn shop robbery, uh, the owner kills Standard, the guy who just got out of prison. So okay. now he's doubly bound to this wife and kid, right? The driver has to get away, but he runs away to another you know, safe house. In the safe house, he finds out that his accomplice had betrayed him. Uh, then his accomplice, she gets killed. He runs away. Uh, he finds out that the guy who owns the shop where the driver used to work also gets killed. Uh, and then Everybody's he eventually dying. has to like protect people. So yeah. at, uh, Irene, at Irene and Benicio's place he goes to protect them and another hitman comes in to kill them all well this is where like the really famous disgusting scene happens where ryan gosling stomps a guy to death in an elevator uh in a way that both protects this woman and child but also drives an intense wedge of separation between them Mm -hmm. because when you kill somebody like that even if they like you are they ever yeah are they ever going to trust you again yeah like just shooting someone you'd be like oh yeah maybe i okay but like he was very very aggressively vicious like it's like like you said like maybe the difference between like a normal killer and a sociopath right right. you know i I don't know it's not really anything but yeah there it was rough to watch you know i'm thinking of one more thing that i like about this movie so much but i'm going to save that for a minute from now 
Um, so he, he kills them, and then he's got to go on the run until he realizes that he's got to kill the crime boss who set this all up. So he goes to kill him, but he stabs him back. He's like, he's like, if I give you all the money that I stole from the pawn shop, will you like leave us all alone? And he's like, yes, I will. But when he gives him the money, he stabs the driver. No so, honor amongst thieves. No honor amongst thieves. So he kills him back, and then he leaves the money there on the beach. The guy's dead. The family's safe. The money's with nobody. And then the driver drives away into the sunset. Right. Oh, he leave. I, can't, I don't. I didn't remember that he just left the money. He left the money. He left the money, and nobody has the money. Okay. So the kids are safe. He doesn't have any money, and it's good because it shows that he's not motivated by the money. Mm. Like, don't you think that like Irene and Benicio could have used the money? Yeah, that's what I think. I'm like, because now some sad, drunk, homeless person is going to, you know, bumble onto the scene and be like, there's a dead guy. And then he's going to be like, oh, but there's a giant uh, uh, briefcase full of cash here. I'm gone. Exactly. So, <laughs> and uh, then this is how the movie, um, not there will be one. This is the movie uh, to, to No Country for Old Men. This is how the beginning of No Country for Old Men starts. You know, I always get those two confused as well. They were, Because yeah. they came out at about the same, the same time, time, and they have, like, similar Western they, masculine Well, they themes. came out the same year, because mm-hmm. No Country for Old Men won the um, Oscar nominee, didn't it? Or did there Will Be Blood won the Oscar? You know, I'd have to revisit that, but, but yeah. they both deserve some attention. Um, but yes, uh, yeah, I think it's, like, it's nice to see that his motivation wasn't the money in that movie, but it's also, like, kind of like, it almost seems like he was motivated by nothing. Exactly. It's really nihilistic. Yeah. I, I almost feel like I like it when people have the motivation because it makes you seem way creepier if you're just doing it just to do it. Yeah. Like, if people have, like, an end game of doing it, it's um, it's a little bit better. Like, oh, I'm just trying to, you know, maybe this is, like, my career or, like, maybe... But, no. Okay, wait. Let me rephrase it. I think when death is involved, it's bad when people don't have an end game. Like, if this was just your career, like, again, Ocean's Eleven, it's funny, it's cute, if nobody gets hurt. But, like, when people are, like, dying and they don't have any motivation, to me, that's just, like, creepy. It's weird. It, it is really weird. And, like, kind of, like, pumping up onto this, like, nihilism, there's, like, intense stylization that just looks beautiful but might not have a purpose. It's kind of retro throwback 80s. The lighting is all bright and neon and beautiful. And then the soundtrack is retro throwback 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this, like, um, I don't remember all how this song goes, but, like, the lyrics, like, I don't I don't sleep, I don't eat, I do nothing but think of you, uh, you keep me under your spell, things like this. It, it's this, like, really uh, strong, like, why is the driver motivated? I think that he's really enchanted by Irene, who he never quite um, consummates anything with. But I think that through, like, the sacrifice of blood, he feels like he does something to protect them. I don't know. Um, but maybe my favorite thing from this movie is the white scorpion coat that oh, then he wears. Ryan Gosling wears. <laughs> you you know, want to get one? <laughs> you know, I might, I might even do like a whole podcast of Ryan Gosling coats. <laughs> uh, he has some good ones in the movies, but, um, that's probably one of the best parts of the movie, a scorpion coat. So if you see one, uh, on eBay or something, let me know. Oh, I'll pick one up for you. So those are my, um, uh, those are my top five. Okay. Okay. I think you got, you got some good ones. I would definitely watch Widows. Well, I definitely need to watch Widows. And the, the Harry, not Harry Holkin. What is it? Uh, that's Hudson Hawk. Hudson Hawk. Hudson Hawk. There was some sort of alliteration there. I think I'll, I'll, I'll watch that one. That one looks really good as well. Or, well, it sounds really good. I, yeah. I, 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 uh, I can't watch Reservoir Dogs. Well, I, I have watched Reservoir Dogs. I You're can't watch though. it as a heist film. Oh, okay. True. Um, and I hated Drive, so I, um. 
Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I think I think that's kind of one of the fun things. Like, t- talking about the ways that movies do and don't work for us Yeah. is uh, one of the fun things about these yeah. conversations. Yeah. Okay, so I'll go, uh, you know, start on my list here. So, for number five, yeah. I did The Thomas Crown Affair, which I think is... Um, this I, is I also did... Wait, hold on. <clears throat> Let me put a little note in here. This is the remake of The Thomas Crown Affair, because I have not seen the original one. I, I really should watch the original one. You know, I don't think I've seen the original. Okay. Um, but I mean, even as a remake, I think it was out in 96, maybe Hmm. it's a little bit older of a film, but not like horrendously old, but older. Uh, it's got Pierce Brosnan. I almost think it's 96 because I think it was before he did his first, um, Bond film, Hmm. which I think the first Bond came out in 97 or 98. I can't quite remember, but anyway, um, yeah. And it is kind of about this. Um, it's a master art thief, a master, what do you call him, heistman? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but he's rich. Um, so I guess you kind of get in this idea of, like, what is his motivation? And it's more of just, like, for him, it's just, like, something fun to do. Like, do I have think... no, I have it all, so, like, why don't I get all the other things? Do you know if he's rich because of what he's stolen or if he's rich because of what he's done elsewhere? I'm pretty sure it's ri- he's rich uh, because he owns, like, some sort of fancy company or something uh, like that. You know, I wish, I wish that he was rich because of what he'd stolen. Stolen. Well, because I don't think he's stolen that much. Hmm. I don't know. But anyway, like, he, he pulls off this good heist at the uh, at MoMA. And um, and then the, it's funny because uh, Rene Russo is an insurance agent. So, like, obviously you have, like, the cops there. But she's just there trying to be, like, making sure that the, um, that the that MoMA isn't trying to screw over the insurance company. Hashtag why nobody should be sad about people stealing things. Right. Because there's insurance. Um, and then she actually, it's really funny because she's the first one who's like, no, it's totally this dude. Like, it's very clearly, obviously, this dude. And everybody's like, no, like, he's been giving so much money and he comes here all the time and he just appreciates art and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, uh, you guys, like, it's very clearly this dude. Uh, and of course, in every single sad, sappy uh, heist film, um, they end up, you know, getting into a romantic relationship. And um, and then there's one big heist, but it's kind of like an anti-heist heist uh, at, at the very end. Have you seen Have you seen it? It's been a while, and I do not remember this very okay, well. Okay, so it's 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 great because so in the beginning of the film, this heist happens, and this this painting worth you know a bajillion and a half dollars or whatever gets stolen. And then um, midway through the movie, Pierce Brosnan's character, he's like, oh, I'm, I feel so bad for the MoMA. Let me donate from my personal collection. And so he donates this thing. And that's what the, kind of when she starts being like, nah, it's, it's clearly this guy. And so the end, and the end of this movie, uh, the main heist slash anti-heist is, in my opinion, why it's number five on my list, like why it makes my list, is because it's such a great scene huh. where... Everyone is, like, convinced that he's going to come back and steal a different painting because he only stole one famous painting, and there's another one that's also almost equivalent in its expense. So everyone's convinced that he's going to steal it. When in reality, the, spoiler alert, um, the painting that he he gave to the museum, um, he made it so that, like, when he turned the, um, the sprinkler alarm on, that all of the, like, sliding doors that are supposed to close to help um, protect the paintings... Well, the painting's uh, frame is too big, so those doors get stuck, and that painting that he gives them, it gets wet, and the actual painting, the real painting, is actually what's underneath it. So he, like, basically stole it and then gave it back to MoMA. So, like, it's, like, this weird thing of, like, he's really just stealing it because he has nothing else to do on a Saturday night. Like, he's uber, he's obviously uber rich, he can, like, donate money, 
and like he has all these fancy things like you see you know that you see go you go through his life and he has all these fancy things so like he doesn't need the money he's not like trying to sell it and he just appreciates art and um it's just it's it's kind of hilarious um and then of course there's your standard um dogs playing poker um joke in there where you know she goes into his house to like look at his things and sees the photo of dog playing poker and she's like well this is clearly like there's something underneath this and she finds like a safe and you know whatnot but um it's got a great it, it has the nina simone song uh sinner man that's what i was talking about earlier mm-hmm. um when it's doing this chase and the chase is so great because he does a play off of um the 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 painting um the son of a man the one the bowler hat with the apple oh yeah on sure. it. so like his basically he comes to the museum he knows that the cops are there like trying to catch him he puts on this bowler hat and he has like his um his briefcase like like he's gonna put the painting back or whatever, because they're basically trying to put catch him putting the painting back so that he doesn't oh, get caught. Right. And then it goes through this scene where he like a lot. He has um, basically like twenty other accomplices that all are dressed the exact same way as him with bowler hats, and so they're going through MoMA, and he's just like continually switching briefcases and like running the cops up and down. And I just love that scene. It's very fun and it's very cool. I would say that they could have taken all the romance out of this movie and it would have been uh, 25% better than it was. You know, I, I think it's cool because there's so much sleight of hand in this movie. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's like really like um, like, like well produced, like really, really sleek, really slick. Um, I feel like I like um, some of the ones I picked, you know, especially like Band of Outsiders or like um, Reservoir Dogs, but like really sloppy. Like who, yeah. who's, who knows what's going on? But here, everything's in its right place. Well, it's funny because you talked about like a, a cat burglar versus a, a heistman, but you'd say Reservoir Dogs. I would say they are considered to be they're supposed to be heistmen, right? Mm-hmm. But the the end result of that movie makes it seem like they're just cat burglars who are out of their league. Yeah. But they're not supposed to be. Like, this is supposed to be that something that they've done previously. Like, they've worked on jobs previously. So, I think that's funny. But, like, yeah, he's, like, very clearly, like, this is something... He's very intelligent and something that he's thought out about this this entire heist. You, you remember the movie Baby Driver? Oh, I love Baby Driver. I wanted Pretty to put fun. it on here, but, of course, they're robbing banks in that movie. Because you know? that movie is amazing. Super amazing. But there, like, everything is, like, about how to get away. Like, how, how to, um... What happens after you've been caught. Mm-hmm. You know? And here... Nobody gets caught. Nobody gets caught. And nobody has a gun. That's mm-hmm. the best part. It's like he's so smart that he doesn't he doesn't have a gun. He doesn't need to do it. Yeah. Um, I really... One of the movies that I couldn't put on my list that... Again, I couldn't put it on my list for two reasons. Because the heist is at a bank. And also because it's similar to Reservoir Dogs where it, the movie itself isn't really about the heist necessarily. <laughs> um, Old Man and a Gun. <laughs> which is Robert Redford who is, in my opinion, a classic heist uh, actor. He's mm-hmm. been in a... A million and a half movies. I think he was in the original Italian job. Oh, no, that's Michael Caine. Well, no, I think it's Michael Caine and Robert Redford in, oh, really? you know, in the original wow. um, Italian job. So, I mean, he's, he's been in a lot of heist films. Um, and it's a it, it's based off of a true story. I'm not quite sure who, but he basically, like, it's, it's this recounting of his life about how he's been able to rob banks just nicely. And, like, like you know, the police come afterward and he's like, well, he was a really nice man, so yeah, I just gave him the money, and he was very kind and very sweet, and, and and he never had a gun the entire time. Like, they thought he had a gun, but he never shows it, because he never actually had a gun, he just faked it the entire time. And so I think to me, like, there's a difference between, like, 
like you said, like conmen and high school But for me, I would say there's a difference between professionals and people who are amateurs. Mm-hmm. And amateurs, it doesn't necessarily always have to be funny, but it's like the difference of like, I'm smart enough and intelligent enough to pull off a grand heist without having to use guns and without having to use violence. And amateurs are like, I might think I'm at that level, but mm-hmm. I obviously am not because now I have to bring violence and, and stupidity into it. Yeah. And then you end yeah. up with a movie like Drag where then nobody even gets the money. Nobody gets the money. <laughs> nobody gets the money. Uh, I mean, you could say that about Thomas Crawford because nobody nobody gets the painting. MoMA gets the painting back and he just gets his girl. Yeah, well... <laughs> so is it a heist film or is it a romance film? I mean, yeah, is, is, he, is he stealing the... Uh, is, he, is he stealing the... The painting, or is he stealing somebody else's heart? Yeah, he's stealing hearts. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Thomas kind of fair. Um, that 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 uh, scene specifically that is is um, with the Sinnerman song is just I think it's perfectly done. Um, and I think if I talk about all of the movies that I have, for me the reason why they're on my list is because a the actual heist. And be like one specific high scene just that always consistently sticks with me. I would say that except for one of the movies on my list, um, which I'll which I'll get to. Uh, but yeah, so um, my number four is Entrapment, hmm. which I will already um, immediately uh, take off my list. Uh oh, how, um, how did we miss this one? What happened? Um, because I forgot that in the second half of the movie they do rob a bank. The first oh, half of no. the movie, no banks are robbed, and the second half, they robbed the bank. And I was like, oh, I forgot about that. And I and I didn't have time to watch it, rewatch it, or I will I would have caught that. Um, but in the in the first half of the film, it's good. It's got Catherine Zena Jones and Sean Connery, who's hottie with a body and a Scotty accent. <laughs> <laughs> hottie in a body with a Scotty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How else can we add on to this? She's she's eating biscotti. Yeah. She's being naughty. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, Sean Connery, and, and initially they're stealing, um, initially he's stealing a, a painting, which is great. Um, and Catherine Zeta-Jones, I like this movie because Catherine Zeta-Jones' character, you'd never quite understand, like, who she is. It's a kind of an honor amongst thieves things, like, you never really know, like, who are the people they say who they think they say they are, like... So she says, initially she's a part of, I think, like, the FBI or CIA or something. Hmm. And then they send her as a plant to to entrap him. Um, and then she's like, I'm a master heistess. Heistess? Heistress. 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 I'm a master heistman woman. Heister, heister woman. <laughs> Who knows? Um, a big heister. So, Sean, so she's telling Sean Connery, hey, I'm a thief like you even though her job is being, like, a CIA agent to, like, tell him this. And then she's, like, playing her job. And so, like, you never really know, like, is she playing her job the whole time? Is she playing Sean Connery's character the whole time? And then one of Sean Connery's, like, um, friends that he's worked with for a while kind of plays him. And then the CIA agent plays people. And so, like, everybody's kind of playing everybody. And you're like, who's actually the person who's getting money here? And Who was it? Um, well, he stole, Sean Connery stole Catherine Zeta-Jones' heist again. Oh, <laughs> or come on. Catherine Zeta-Jones' heart. <laughs> that's, I guess that's the only running theme in all these these movies, is that I, I like stealing hearts. <laughs> stealing hearts, not stealing dollars. Yeah. Because um, I don't, if I recall correctly, I don't think they get away with the money. Like, I think that the CIA kind of gets them in the end, but they don't arrest them. But, like... Uh, Sean Connery's character gives up her character, being like, hey, if you give me immunity, I'll give you up her character or whatever, you know? 
So, like, again, you're like, wait a minute, was he playing her the whole time to get the help of CIA? Um, so, if I recall correctly, and I haven't seen this movie in a while, but it's a good one, um, I don't think anyone gets the money in the end. But he's still, oh, you know what? He gets a, um, a mask that's worth, like, a bajillion and a half dollars, but not the money that was going to lead to the mask. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm sorry. I did put a semi-bank on here. That's really bad, and I'm breaking my own own topic. It's okay. I put a heist movie that didn't actually show the heist. So, so. We'll, we'll allow it. <laughs> um, okay, so number three on my, on my list is called The Score, and if I'm honest, I think it's the most um, standard by the book heist film of all of them. It is not a heist comedy in any way, shape, or form. It is 100% a heist film. Okay. Um, it has Robert De Niro, which is probably one of the reasons why it's number three, but also Edward Norton, which is, again, one of the reasons why it's number three. <laughs> because I love Robert De Niro, but I hate Edward Norton. <laughs> like, okay. Okay. I want to punch him in the face every single time I see him in a movie. So what is it about, uh, about Edward Norton that just doesn't connect? He or kind he... of looks like uh, the personification of a mole rat. And something about that just makes me want to punch him in the face. He just has the most smug face. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't like it. Yeah. I, I mean, is I he a good actor? Yeah. After Fight sure. Club, you know, he sort of like was a little bit pigeonholed into like playing a hyper-masculine uh, situation. But, yeah. But it was interesting because like him versus Brad Pitt, like um, Edward Norton was sort of like the weaker one, but he's still smug. He's very smug. I wouldn't consider Brad Pitt smug. He probably is in real life. I don't know. I haven't met him, but like. If I, if I had to look at the two, I would automatically say that Edward Norton is more of a douche than mm-hmm. Brad Pitt. Okay, okay. Is that because Brad Pitt's way better looking and not a, a naked mole rat? Yes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, that's, that's that. Um, but yeah, it is like an honest-to-God, straight-up heist film. Like The movie mm-hmm. starts off with a heist. Uh, De Niro is robbing... I don't know if it's a house or if it's a... Uh, just a safe in um, a nightclub, but like his cover is this nightclub. That's why people can't hear him, is because this nightclub is playing this loud music. Why, why do we trust Robert De Niro to be like a well trusted old criminal? Like, how did he become I established? I don't want to be racist. Oh. <laughs> comma. But. Okay. <laughs> I think it's because he's Italian. Yeah. I think, like, we, like you said in the beginning, like, we uh, kind of uh, relate Italian slash mafia things to right. these seedy backwater theft items. Well, definitely theft the mafia. Things. And the mafia is often Italian. Yeah. Although there so is also other types of mafias out there that aren't there are. Italian. There are. Um, it's funny. We could, we could talk a lot about, like, different types of mafias out there. But I, I think you're right, though. The I think mafia, that's why we like De Niro in heist films. We trust him to be a criminal. Yeah. But he's the good criminal. Like, uh, yeah. well, that's not entirely true, because there are, I've seen him in a couple bad criminal films. Actually, I just watched one the other day that was less than stellar. And it was one where he is the bad, well, he's kind of the bad guy, but he has cancer, so then you feel bad for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, uh, it was, it was robbing a casino, so I couldn't put it on the list. Um, but yeah. I mean, Robert Nero has also been, like, a funny criminal in some other movies. <laughs> yes. I don't know. He, maybe he just has one of those faces. Maybe he's just typecast. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, if you think about it, he always, he, not always, he typically is either a mafia man or dealing in something that a mafia and or a mob would deal with. Yeah. And I think it's really because he's Italian. I, I honestly do. 
you know, it could be the Italian part. It could also just be that once you've uh, gone into a life of crime, yeah, as he has, back. you can't come back from <laughs> you it, you know? can't come back from it. Like, uh, I, I thought a lot about what happens when you star in certain horror movies. Mm-hmm. If you're a horror movie star, you're going to be doing horror movies for the rest of your career. Yeah. And that can be rewarding. And I'm, I'm sure that De Niro's had, like, a really rewarding career. But I think that it's hard to take him too far from that, that life of crime. Yeah, well, I mean, I think Pacino kind of has the same... Definitely. Like, they're they're both very similar in terms of the movies that they, they star in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, um, it, it's a good movie. I think that the twists in um, the score are a little obvious. Like, from the get-go, Edward Norton's character plays this guy with special needs who's working at the Montreal um, Customs House. That's what they steal. They steal from the Customs House, hmm. which is not a bank, although somewhat similar, but also not very similar at all. I don't know what's in a Customs House. Uh, customs things. <laughs> customarily. Uh, customarily Customs things. Yeah, well, so I, I think they don't explicitly tell you this, but basically they're stealing a scepter. It's worth like thirty million dollars or something like that. Can I get one of those? Uh, right. <laughs> you know, honestly, what one of the things that this conversation is reminding me is that maybe I should go steal something. I think you should. I think we both should. I think I could be a great heistmist. Heistmist. Uh, a heistress. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that you can uh, pick whatever like type of um, um, heist word is good for you. Heist person. Heist woman. You could be a heistman. Uh, you could be. All, you, there's a lot of ways that you can uh, get the money. Heisty. Heisty. Yeah, well, I'll I'm, be a heisty. I'm down for that. I think the important thing is just that you get away with it. You get away with it, yeah. Um, yeah, so they, they're trying to get this, this scepter. Mm-hmm. And I think Edward Norton's character has hidden the scepter in this piano. Because it, it came from Europe. So they hid it in the leg of this piano. Is there a scepter in every European piano? I don't know. Do you have a European piano? Should, <laughs> no. we, should we go check it out? Let's check it out. <laughs> um, and then he, he goes to the custom house. He gets his job at the customs house. And he plays this guy with special needs. Who basically is there to like steal the scepter, but then they they are they um I guess I don't know you wouldn't say confiscate this, but like they have basically they in this in this shipment that comes from Europe they find these beetles that are you know invasive or whatever, so they Seriously. have to burn everything because including it's wood. the the scepter. Yeah, and so they start burning the the piano because they don't know the scepter is in there, and Edward Norton's character like has to point out the scepter, but the people at the customs still don't know what it is, so they kind of just throw it down in the vault. They're like, oh, this is probably really expensive, but we don't, we're not quite sure where it is or where it goes to or where it's coming from, and we can't let it into the country because it was with all these things with the Beatles. We're just gonna throw it down in our vault. So they're they're robbing the vault that has, I guess what you would say, all this stuff that people when it comes through customs either don't pick up or it's too expensive or mm-hmm. you know maybe the CIA is it has these things under lockdown. Um, so. I don't actually know if a customs house is a thing. Do you know if it's a real thing? I've read about them. Okay. Uh, or rather, I've, I've seen that they exist. I don't know what they do. Yeah, I don't know what they do either. But, um, so yeah, it's at the customs house. And then um, Edward Norton's character kind of screws over, like, like uh, De Niro's character is like the the master thief, you know, he's been thieving for quite some time. And then Edward Norton's character, he he's a little bit new to the scene. And so at first, De Niro doesn't want to be with his character and kind of snubs him. And then Edward Norton kind of snubs De Niro's character and then finally they agreed to work together. They're working together. And it's pretty obvious. Like, you can tell that, you know, like, that one of them is going to screw the over. Screw the screw the over? Screw the other one over. Um, but then, like, you you get to, um, you know, the end. And you think that Edward Norton's character has won because he's kind of outplayed 
Robert De Niro's character, but you know, it's Robert De Niro. You never outplay you, you a Robert. You can't outplay Robert. No. no. Uh, so of course De Niro ends up with the scepter, and Edward Norton's character is the only character that gets, um, like the only character that's seen um, during the heist. So, so he gets the, jail the cops time. actually. He doesn't get jail time. He's just on the lam. And it's really funny because we're talking about professional heist people versus amateurs, mm-hmm. and like it's it's really clear to see this in the beginning because um, at one point in time De Niro's character straight up tells Norton's character, "Hey, don't bring a gun. We don't use guns." You know, right. like, don't do it. And he's like, and Edward Norton's character, and he's like, well, I thought I needed it for, you know, in case things got dicey, and you're lucky that I had it. And De Niro's character's like, don't bring a gun. Because if you do, it's jail time. Right? And so then at one point in time, you know, they're coming up with their master plan, and Norton's like, okay, so we're going to get the scepter, blah, 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 and then we're going to both meet back at the, the guy's house, like the guy who set up the, the job. And, and De Niro's character's like, no, like you have to finish out your shift because these people think that you're like this guy with special needs who's working here. And he's like, no, I'm not going to be part of the scepter. He's like, think about this. Like the scepter gets stolen, which they're eventually going to find out. And then you just happen to completely change your, your day. Uh, they're going to realize it's you. Well, the funny thing is, is Edward Norton's character is just like so cocky and he, he is just not, I mean, he's an amateur. And so he does all these things and essentially the way that Robert De Niro wins in this movie is that he can foresee him doing all these things. He knows he's going to bring a gun to the job even though he told him not to. He knows he's going to try to double cross him. He knows that some way along the line that he wants to get this scepter and leave before his shift's finished. So basically he outs himself, Edward Norton's character outs himself. And so then in the end, his character is the only one that the police know about for sure are involved. And, uh, I think that's great. It's this the difference between amateur hour and uh, and real real heist people. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a good one. Have you seen the score? I haven't seen the score. When did it come out again? Mm, I want to say maybe two thousand three. Okay. Uh, that could be completely wrong. Let me go. Let me let me Google it. Uh, two thousand one. So kind of early ish two thousands. Mm-hmm. Um, isn't that like around the time when Edward Norton decided to ruin Marvel by being in that horrible, incredible Hulk movie. Oh. Just called The Hulk. <laughs> you know, I, I blocked that out of my memory. It was such a... Yeah, I think a lot should. of people did. Because it was it, horrible. I think that some people had to go... Um, oh, my god! ...through a lot of processing in order to forget yeah. that. I, I, I was actually... Hours. I was forgetting about it pretty successfully until you were... <laughs> Sorry so, to bring it back up. It's okay. It's, it's, uh, good, to, it's good to think that... Um, here's the thing. Amateur heistman... Amateur Hulk. Yeah. You know? You know? It's gonna leave, leave scars on all of it us. It kind of just seems like Edward Norton is an amateur in, in life. <laughs> well, it's, it might seem that way, but I think that when you look at the bank, he's probably doing all right. Yeah, he probably is. He probably is. Um, so number two on my list is American Animals, which I think of all of the movies on my list, you would like the most, probably. Why is that? Um, it's kind of an indie film. Hmm. Um, I think it was another South by Southwest film. Um, and it's this movie, it is based off of a true story mm-hmm. and I like this film because they link the, the characters that this actually happened to while like they intertwine them and in their interviews with them within the story itself. So you like get this idea of, so you, who, who's being interviewed? Why are they being interviewed? So it's these four college kids. Mm-hmm. Well, they're adults while they're being interviewed. Um, and they talk about this story about how they tried to pull off this heist. 
And so it starts off with one kid and being like, or well, it starts actually off with a bunch of parents and like teachers and stuff being like, you know, we would never would have imagined this would have happened. They were great kids, blah, 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 blah. They had so much, you know, they came from great parents and great cultures and they had so much success and, and, and you know, all this, blah. And then it starts bringing in the characters themselves and it's, um, you know, and then they have the actors that are playing out the movie and playing out the scene and then they every now and again they have flashbacks to these interviews about like oh why did we do this and then they interview the guy and the guy's like well it wasn't my idea it was this guy's idea and then they flash to the that guy and he's like no 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 no. he's got it all wrong blah blah blah. this and this happened you know so i like that that kind of uh the play between the the drama and the reality of what happened yeah but like people are seeing it different ways and yeah they, they, they they can't they don't have a shared reality yeah it, it, it is funny, uh, one specific scene where they talk about how the, the heist idea came to fruition and the two people, the two main guys in the heist, they have different stories of whose idea it was. Like one guy was like, no, he brought it up because he wanted to do it. And the other guy was like, I never thought about it until he said that we should steal it, you know? And like, so it's just like seeing their point of view. Um, but yeah, it's about these four college kids who are, I think, go to either the University of Kentucky and then go to some other private school that's in Kentucky and they're going they want to rob this school's library because Hmm. apparently it was home to like the world's like top like five most expensive books oh well you know I've been to a couple of uh, you know university libraries that do have really rare book collections these these things seem to be like really special like Gutenberg Bibles you know rare Mm -hmm. first editions of Shakespeare folios um Actually, can I, I, I interrupt you now to ask you uh, what you would steal if you had to steal something? From if, a library or no, from No, no, from anywhere. Like, if you were to heist something, what oh, would you heist? Oh, my gosh. That's a hard question. And I, yeah, it's completely unprepared, so... It's completely unprepared. There's so many things to steal. I would just steal Evan's heart. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I think that's the right answer. Uh, yeah. It's... Uh, it's <laughs> Not gonna get you a vacation home, but no, it's, no, probably not. Um, I don't know. Like to me, I guess because I'm not in it, the the thief world, I guess mm-hmm. since I'm an outsider, I would want to steal. I would have to steal money mm-hmm. because to me, like art. If you're going to steal art, you either a have to have a huge appreciation for art, which I really don't. Like I don't care if I have a Jackson Pollock in my house. Right? Are, are you gonna love it for ten million dollars? I'm, I'm not. But, or you have to know someone who's going to be able to sell that to someone for a lot of money so you get your money's worth, you which I don't. Caught. You might get caught trying to meet that person. Exactly. And so, for my opinion, I would have to just steal the money. Okay. And I, wh- what is the sum of money that I would be willing to steal in order to go home? Or, like, hmm. in order to be caught, I guess I should say. And I think that would have to be in the tens of millions. Tens of millions? Tens of millions. No, tens of millions. I think, like, 50, tempting. 50, no, I think 30 million and above mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is what I would be. And I don't want to share with people because F yeah. everyone. <laughs> you know, an interesting uh, connection to a lot of the movies we, that we both talked about today is like how much jail time somebody's willing to spend. A uh, big part of Reservoir yeah. Dogs, big part of Hudson Hawk, big part of Widows, um, small part of Drive. Um, and then uh, is there jail time in the movies that you've talked about? Well, too? specifically in, in American Animals, they spend seven years in jail. So, I mean, like, that's pretty intense. And they didn't even come away with the books. Like, oh, they didn't even get the money or anything like that. Like, they were, it was so bad. The heist itself was horrendous. Um, 
and, and uh, yeah, so I'm like, that's kind of the, that's why I like that movie is because it's like bringing the reality of what happens if you actually try this in real life. Like, heist movies are fun to watch and everything, but like, there's really not that, I guess a little bit in Oceans, you know, because mm-hmm. he's getting out of jail. Right. But like, for the most part, you don't see the jail aspect of heist movies. You know, I, th- I think it's a lot more fun to do a heist than it is to do a fraud. Right, because when you're doing a heist, you're like stealing an object or something like that. Yeah. But if you're like, you know, if you and I were to like get together and try to run like a telephone fraud scheme, or mm-hmm. we were like trying to get uh, senior citizens to give us a hundred bucks not oh, to have social, well, right? But yeah. this, these are things that really happen uh, in order not to get social security to like, you know, we'll threaten them like, hey, if you don't give us a hundred bucks, social security is going to take away your benefits. That's the thing you could do, or you could run a fraud, being saying that. Um, if You're a you, prince if, in Nigeria. <laughs> for sure. Or, or if you don't renew the warranty on your car, mm. then your car is going to no longer be eligible for service, and you could get like 200 bucks a person. And sure, a lot of people will look at this and like, this is a fraud. But like, all it takes is like 5% of the people, and yeah. you talk to enough people. So I think it's cooler to do a heist than a fraud. Yeah, because to me, and I again, I don't know what the jail time is for either of those things. But if they are anywhere equivalent, why would you waste your time? Like, even though, yes, the likelihood of you being able to do a fraud is significantly higher than you being able to, like, pull off a giant heist for $30 million. Mm-hmm. If you pull it off, the the um, the the rewards are much less. So to me, I feel like I would have to weigh the consequences and make sure that the reward is significantly more than what the consequence would be. You know, there, there was a 17-year-old in Florida who recently took over the accounts of famous people, including Joe Biden and a couple of corporations. I remember this. And he only made $100,000. That's, like, not enough. That's not enough money. Like, And if, he got caught. Yeah, if I'm going to get caught, like, I would have to think, okay, if I'm going to get caught and go to jail for potentially 10 years of my life, mm-hmm. which, I mean, let's be honest here, like, if you get caught, you don't get to keep the money anyway, so it's not like you... Right. Or it's like it's not like a lose win. It's a it's right. a lose lose or a win win. Like mm-hmm. you don't. There's no half and half there. But like I would need it to be some mind blowingly life changing thing. Like it would. I would never have to work a day in my life after that if I pulled it off. Like it wouldn't be like some measly like one million dollars. No, right. no 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 no. People make a million dollars easily in life just working a standard job. You can make that being you know like a VP of marketing or something like that. Like would it take a few more years? Yeah, but like it's doable. Like people aren't going to make a hundred million dollars in a year. Like no, the, the likelihood really. of that is significantly lower. So like to me, like it would have to equate, like it, would I ever be able to make this money in my life? No. Okay. That's when we're talking about this being uh, equal to something that I'd be willing to go to jail for. Well, I think that's why some of these heist people settle for love. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> so that's, uh, that's what we're talking about with American animals. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so anyway, going back to American animals, <laughs> well, what would you steal? You didn't say what you would steal. Oh, you know, um, so that's one of the reasons I talked about fraud, because I think it would probably be a little bit easier to go through with a fraud, but I've got to do a heist today. So if I had to do a heist, I would want to steal something that has a good adventure on it. Mm-hmm. So I want to do something that involves a boat. I would want to oh. do something that involves uh, something where there's not a lot of surveillance, and that's really hard, where there's like nest cams on everything these days. Yeah. Uh, and I'd want to do something that I could get away with, which, uh, so I guess that I would probably want to mm, probably steal art from somebody's home. Yeah, I was about to say, I was like, if you want to, if those are like your requirements, I think you need to steal from somebody rather than from an institution. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. an institution, you're almost 
you're it's almost impossible to get away with it. Right. Like right. you'd have to be a really really good to get away with it. Um, whereas a person like is just some rich old recluse person. You know, it's much easier to steal from. Or maybe I could go on a treasure hunt or try to find, like, some sunken boat. But that's know? not a heist. Well, it's not a heist, but it's a little bit more legal. Yeah, it's a lot more legal, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> so, these are some of my ideas. But if I think of something good to heist, I'll let you know after the podcast is over. Okay. We can heist it together. We'll I just come up with a plan. Oh, for sure. But I just don't want to announce it to everybody. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> you could be implicating yourself right now. Exactly. So, I'm going to wait until after the, the, Smart mic, the mic is off. <laughs> Um, yeah, Amer- American Animals. I think I think you would like it. I think a lot of people would like it. It's very dramatic. Um, it's kind of funny in the terms of like, like when the heist actually happens, it's so bad. It's so bad. So like basically to get into the room where all those fancy books are, they have there's a library, mm-hmm. a librarian, and they don't even have a library card. They well no, <laughs> three of the four people that are in this heist don't even go to this college. Mm-hmm. Only one guy goes to this college, mm-hmm. and he is not even in the heist part of it because he he has the lookout because he can't. Everybody knows he goes to the school, so he can't be seen. So is um, is this a real story? No, it is. It's a hundred percent a real story. This, this really is awesome. happened. This is great. That's why I think it's great because it's like these people who are very amateur. Like mm-hmm. it was like one night they smoked some weed and got a little drunk mm-hmm. and they're like, let's steal these books. And then for some reason, like they kept going on this path. So it's kind of hilarious, but it's also like kind of sad. Moral of the story um, is. <laughs> I think that's what, I think that's why I rated it so high is because it's like, it's one of those films where it's like it, heist movies are fun and they're great to see and I love you know I love the the sleight of hand that comes with Thomas Thomas Crown Affair or like any of the Oceans movies those are super fun but it's super unrealistic like how often does this happen and how often does this happen where people don't get caught I mean I'm not part of the heist world but I'm going to take a a gander and say not very often so to me the this movie is more realistic of what would happen if you were just two blokes on a podcast who wanted to do a heist you know you know, I'm gonna send. Uh, I, I, there's a there's a famous museum in Boston, it's Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum. Okay. <laughs> in Boston, where in the '90s or the '80s, uh, somebody stole some really famous paintings and they got away with it. Okay. So It's possible. It's oh, I mean, like yeah, it oh, happens all the time. Uh, but um, yeah, but people no, yeah, people do get well, away. In my it. opinion, I I personally feel like there um the most famous paintings in the world right now are probably all fakes. If I were to be honest, like, mm-hmm. I don't think that there's any way whatsoever at this point in time that those are the real deal. Um, and you know what is even worse is I bet you that museums know that. Like, I bet you along the way, uh, someone stole it mm-hmm. and had really, really good fake and they found out about it. It probably took them a little bit too long to find out about it, but they found out about it and they were like, well, shoot, what are we going to do? Like, you know, it's a little bit past the time to try to figure this out, and people think this is the real thing, so, like, let's just go with it. That's awesome. Because nobody, for a large majority of, of, uh, of the the artwork that we find to be interesting and, mm-hmm. um, and, what's the word I want to use? Like, the artwork that we find to be just really good, that's not that's such a bad word to use, but I can't come up with a better word right now, it is so old that mm-hmm. we don't even know what it really looks like. Like, right, what if Mona Lisa was... really was winking? Like, we don't know. We don't know. We weren't there. <laughs> you know, it, it is so significant that it might be hard to detect these things over time, um, which could probably be part of a really good Hudson Hawk movie. 
You know, like, oh, we took we took care of the old Mona Lisa in order to melt her down in order to make some sort of device that helped uh, the Vatican turn uh, iron into gold. Yeah, <laughs> so who knows? Who knows? Um, but yeah, American Animals, go watch it. It's good. I will say, you know what is funny is because it, it, it is a good juxtaposition between, again, professionals and amateurs because there's, you know, when they initially talk about the heist that they want to pull off, like they're describing it to one person that they want to get in on the heist, they do like, um, the actors are doing like a fake scene of like what it's going to go like. And you know, it's that smooth Thomas Crown, Ocean's Eleven, like they go in and then they chloroform the, the librarian, but they set her down gently in this beautiful pose. And then they're so suave about getting all the books and then they exit out perfectly. And then they go back, you know, and then they're back in their, their basement being like, dude, we can't, like, there's so many things wrong with this. Like, how do mm-hmm. you do this? How do you do this? Yeah. And so then when the real heist happens, it's hilarious how many things go wrong because it's just, again, it's that idea of like the reality of pulling off a heist versus of what's in your mind about how easy a heist would be. You know, this is reminding me of Uncut Gems. I haven't seen it, so please don't ruin anything. Well, all I'm going to say is that Adam Sandler is not that funny. <laughs> he's not, but, no, he's not. He plays a serious character, which mm-hmm. I think is good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, American Animals. Um, and then last but not least, my number one is Logan Lucky. Have Logan Lucky, it? which have I haven't seen, seen either. Oh my goodness. Logan Lucky is hands down one of Steven Soderbergh's most underrated films. I have no idea how this film was not, I I don't, I can't remember what um, uh, production company this movie went through, but this movie is, in my opinion, better than any Oceans movie ever. It is by far the best heist movie ever and probably one of my top like 25 films ever. Really? It is absolutely good. It has a fantastic cast. It is hilarious. It's smart. It it takes itself seriously, but not to the point where you're like, this is obnoxious. Like, it's just so good. It's like, it is basically like redneck backwoods version of Ocean's Eleven, which is why I think it's so good. Isn't it, it's in some ways as if like Steven Soderbergh knows the types of movies that he makes well, and he keeps making variations of them. Yes. They're different, but he they're, does, kind of, he does, they're connected. Yeah, he does good heist films. He's a good heist film type of dude. Um, this one, it's so good. So who's the victim? It's not a bank. It's not a casino. What they happens? They rob the Indy 500. I think it's the Indy 500 or the Cola 500 or the Pepsi 500 or, you know, the the generic brand 500. Oh, yes. The, uh, the Winco Soda 500. <laughs> yeah, something like that. They rob They rob um, a, a race, a, ra- a, a racetrack. Um, Horses or cars? Cars, cars, car, car track, car race track. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, it's in Virginia, I believe, or Virginia and South Carolina. They're on, they're on, right? They're right next to each other. Well, I think North Carolina is between them. Oh, okay. So there's, maybe it's North Carolina and South Carolina. I don't know because they specifically make it so that the heist that they pull off is actually in a different state mm. than where they actually live. And you see like, oh, I, they like, they talk about how they can make the drive between the two and like, you know however many minutes or whatever. Um, this movie has Channing Tatum, who doesn't look like a beefy, hunky guy like he normally does, um, because he's he plays a, a, a wounded war veteran. Hmm. And it has Adam Driver, who, although has the biggest movie. ears I've ever seen on a human being, mm-hmm. um, is absolutely attractive and really great at acting. I think he's so underrated as an actor, although we'll just totally ignore him in every Star Wars film. Mm-hmm. Um... <laughs> Um, and he plays a wounded war veteran and it has Daniel Craig as like a hillbilly crack. Oh yeah. Dude. Now, now that you're describing the characters, I'm realizing that I really need to see this. You really do need to see this. Yeah. It is so good. It's 
funny, but not slapstick comedy. It is smart, but not too smart. Um, yeah, it, it, it's an absolutely fantastic film. They robbed the Indy 500. I don't, I, I'm just going to call it the Indy 500. I don't know if it's actually the Indy 500. They robbed the, the racetrack. And basically, Daniel Craig is in prison. Mm-hmm. And so they have to figure out a way to break him out of prison to help, because Daniel Craig has to help them um, break the safe, essentially. Hmm. Um, and so they have to break him out of prison first. And he's like, well, I need my brothers to be on, in on this. And so then he has to get his brothers, and his brothers are idiots like the like the type of people that you don't want to heist with because you know that they're going to screw something up and then they're going to be the reasons why you go into jail mm-hmm. um and um then they have their little sister so no channing tatum and adam driver are brothers and then they have a little sister who is also in on the heist um yeah and they rob they rob the indy 500 and you think everything's okay yada 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 um People do their time in jail because they never actually get caught breaking out. They actually break out of jail and then break back into jail because it, I, it sounds funny, but like the reason they do that is because they want to make sure that they're not implicated in this because mm-hmm. this is an even bigger fine than what they already have. Hmm. Um, and like it's just and like, then once they get out, being in jail is good cover. It is. And then they'll have yeah. the, the, the loot stored somewhere else. Exactly. And so guess who it gets onto them? It's not the cops. It's the insurance fraud. I think insurance fraud is like, those people, in every movie I watch with heist films, insurance fraud agents happen to be like the most amazing detectives. Mm-hmm. Like, screw Hercule Poirot. Like, just put an insurance fraud person on it and they'll get, they'll get the job done. It would be kind of funny to be a friend with somebody who works in insurance fraud because you'd think that, like, you know, you could, like, you know, tell them a story or something at a bar. Be like, no, that's not what happened. Actually, yeah. what happened was you were drunk, you said this, and um, that's why it fell apart, Jake. Yeah. So. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, oh, it, yeah, Hillary Swank is the insurance. Like, it has a lot of A list actors in right. this movie. Um, but can we just talk about Daniel Craig having a southern accent for a second? Southern, and not even, like, kind of southern, like, Appalachian southern. <laughs> You know, I, I think I'm clearing my calendar. I think that, that your top pick is coming up to the top of my list. It's it, it's an absolutely fantastic film. A lot of really good twists. It has a uh, twist ending that you kind of see, but kind of don't see. Mm-hmm. Like, you kind of like, wait a minute, this is probably going to happen. But Are then, like, do? it takes long enough to where you're like, oh, shit, maybe this is not going to happen. So you start doubting yourself, but then it, it happens. Do you want to talk about that? You can do another spoiler box. Like, it's, they, they steal the money. And then it kind of appears that they have ripped off Daniel Craig and his brothers. And, but then because it, Channing Tatum's character is seen leaving the money in a truck in a different state and then like leaving. So you think, oh my gosh, they just stole this money and then they just left it there. Um, when in reality, they, they actually stole significantly more money than they thought they did. And so he left a certain amount of money to make up for the fact that, like, oh, hey, like, we're just stupid idiots to get you off the trail. And in reality, he has other money that he has kept for them. Oh, wow. So it's actually, it's it's really smart. And I think the reason I like it is because, like, even from the get-go, Channing Tatum and Adam Driver's character are, you know, they have this idea of being, like, these backwater rednecks. Mm-hmm. And um, so you don't really trust them. And you definitely don't trust Daniel Craig and his brothers who are idiots. Um... <laughs> And so you're like, wow, these people are, they're not going to be good at it. But then you realize, oh, like, this is a legitimately good heist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I loved it. It is 
it, like when we first started talking about this topic, I knew for a fact without a doubt that that was going to be my number one. There was no movie that was going to outdo that movie. I absolutely love that movie. Well, I think it's cool because it also sounds like it combines a prison break. Yes. It's a prison break and, in and out. <laughs> and also an insurance fraud. And insurance fraud. All is, my favorite which things. Which is, you know, like, like, a, like a procedural sort of like a research-oriented mm-hmm. uh, legal drama. Kind of like <laughs> they have in, uh, you know, Legally Blonde or... Oh, yeah. uh, Michael Clayton or all types of these other ones. Like, it's really funny where you get these investigative law things that end up being, like, kind of riveting. Yeah. It's good. It's yeah. a good film. Got a lot of A-list actors. Steven Soderbergh. It should have should have won a lot more awards. So I think it's for, been, for really... different reasons, I'm going to have to go back and see these. I'm going to have to go see Thomas Crown Affair to think about, uh, like, what it means to steal for, for sport or steal for love. Mm. Uh, also, love for uh, entrapment. Um, and I think that it's kind of funny that both American Animals and Logan Lucky have some elements of amateurism to them. Yes. But, um, you know, I think that it's kind of fitting that we started this conversation talking about, like, Ocean's Eleven, but we're kind of, like, talking about another, uh, Steven Soderbergh movie. Yeah. You know, right here. <laughs> He's just good. He is really good. I, I don't think that a lot of people are gonna argue that. I think that some people argue that maybe he doesn't, like, satisfy what they're looking for, because I bet that there's some people who don't like heist movies. I don't know who they are. They're probably like I'm grumpy not, old people. Those aren't my friends. Uh-uh. <laughs> so, but I I really like heist movies because um, there's like some sort of action that you are trying to get away with, but you end up rooting for people who are just like you, who are kind of anti-heroes. Mm. Mm. Well, I was gonna ask you like if you I guess you haven't seen any of the movies on my list, or you have, but it's been a while. But the only you... one I know I've seen is Thomas Crown Affair. Thomas Crown? It's been a long time. Okay. Wow, that's surprising. See, of honestly, I I thought that you and I would have in, both have entrapment. Yeah, reasonable. Uh, because it's a, it was a pretty popular movie. Yeah. Um, maybe that's why you wouldn't have it because it's too popular. It's not indie enough for well, you. Well, no, it's not particularly indie, but it also just might be like the time that I started watching movies. I started watching a lot more movies after about two thousand six, uh, and I didn't watch a ton of movies before then. So everything that I've seen that's older than that was kind of like going back to watch movies. Okay. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, I don't know, I, because the movies that are on your list are movies that I haven't seen, I don't necessarily know that I would change them and or put them on my list, so I'd have to watch them first. Well, we've but both I definitely seen Reservoir watch. Dogs. We've all seen Reservoir oh, Dogs, and there's no way, no way I could Yeah. Um, you know, I think that I'd like to ask you among your favorite, uh, among your favorite five, which is the number one that I should watch, and I'll return it by saying to you that I think the one you should watch is probably Widows. Widows is really I want to watch that one, yeah. Okay. I will watch that one. Uh, Logan Lucky. You have to watch Logan Lucky. Okay. Like, I think you would like American Animals better than Logan Lucky, but I think that Logan Lucky is a good movie that everyone will enjoy at least somewhat. You know, I'm really excited about Logan Lucky and and also about American Animals. I think that I would go back and watch all of these, perhaps not all in the same week, but, you know, (laughs) winter is coming and I definitely got to, you know, look forward to some of these. You gotta hibernate Um, and watch some movies. But, you know, I think there's a lot here to think about. I'm really happy with this topic. I'm really glad we didn't have any overlap. You know, I think it would have been kind of like two people wearing the same shirt to a party or whatever. (laughs) Uh, But I I think it's cool. It's only happened once on the podcast. Oh, really? Just one time. Just once? Um, It was period films, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Period peace films? Historical dramas? I don't know what you want to call them. Historical dramas. Period films. Period films. About Mm -hmm. blood. Blood everywhere. 
Um, <laughs> it was basically just Carrie. We talked about Carrie. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. That's the only only topic that thus far that I've had any overlap with my guests. So yeah, I'm. I think we're. I think that's good because uh, one of the reasons I started this podcast is because I wanted to one say all of my opinions, which are obviously correct, and yours are wrong, and two. <laughs> Uh, just introduce people to new movies that they may or may not have known. So the fact that we don't have a lot of overlap is, in my opinion, even better because then it's like more movies that people can be interested in or, or check out and see if they like or not. You know, as a guest on your podcast, I feel like I've I've um, I've learned a lot about movies that I haven't uh, heard of before or been reminded of movies that I meant to see and never did see. Uh, and, I, and I think that like I've shared some with you too. Yeah. And I hope that our that the the listeners um, do too. Do you ever get feedback from listeners about movies that they have uh, been that they've seen that are like on the same topics? Not that yet. Talk about? But hopefully, if you if you follow us on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You uh, hopefully that'll start coming and and being a thing. Because I really want to know about movies. Like, there's a lot of movies that I haven't seen or uh, that you know. If people who could maybe convince me that Reservoir Dogs is actually a heist film, you know, things like that, um, I'm more than happy to have that conversation with, but yeah. not yet. So awesome. go ahead and follow us on, on the socials. <laughs> awesome. Uh, all right. Well, thank you guys again uh, for listening to the Top 5, and we will catch you uh, next time. Bye. Thank you.